Berger, president of Capstone Marketing. I am delighted to be talking today with my good friend, Jack Coleman-Sberger, chief marketing officer at Herbine & Company and a 2018 inductee into the Association for Accounting Marketing Hall of Fame. Jack began his accounting marketing career with a local Philadelphia CPA firm in 1996. He has now been with Herbine for nearly 10 years. Jack was a member of Ames Board of Directors for several years and served as its 2015-2016 president. Jack, congratulations on your induction into the Ames Hall of Fame. It's well-deserved. Thank you, Jean. And I just have to say I'm still shocked about it, but uh, it's, it's one of the greatest honors I could have ever imagined. And it's great to join you and everybody else uh, with that honor. So thank you very much for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, we've known each other a long time, and I shed more than a few tears when you were uh, <laughs> making your speech, which was very heartfelt. And I, I, I know that everybody in the audience that day um, appreciated everything that you had to say. So you did a great job. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I, it was important to me, and I, I do appreciate it, and I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I know that the, the people that were running the clock that kept counting down probably didn't enjoy it. <laughs> And the speaker after us probably didn't enjoy it, but there you go. But it all worked out, didn't it? It, it was fantastic. Yes, yeah, it all worked out. So, as I mentioned, you started your accounting marketing career in 1996. So you've been at this over 20 years. What is the greatest challenge in marketing CPA firms? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is. To work with the hourly billing, it just it really stacks against the deck against all marketing efforts. So, if you're talking about doing new prospecting, everybody says, "Well, you know, I'm busy. I got this. I got this. I got deadlines here." So there's a tendency to want to push stuff off, and the more you push it off, the less you want to do it, and then the more that the more it piles up. So even though you know you should be doing it, it's not it's not top of mind and. At our, at our tax season kickoff this year, I talked about the Eisenhower method of determining urgent versus important. And it's interesting that a lot of the work that we're doing for our clients during a busy season is really urgent, but the important stuff about growing the practice tends to kind of fall off the table. And, and I also think, it, it's, to me, it's really interesting because I think that happens with current clients too because we go in there and everybody's being measured for being efficient you know, go in there, get the job done. If there's something you see that's not right, you say, let me fix it. I'm not even going to tell them. I'm just going to fix it and move on. I'm not going to bill for it because that will all slow me down. And so you're doing it. You're getting the heck out of Dodge. And the next thing you know, you're not really talking to them about big picture issues. Right. So it's, and, you know, and, and nowadays, um, you know, the big thing is advisory services and truly yeah, being yeah. advisors to our clients. And this example you just gave, um, and I, let's face it, lots of CPAs call themselves advisors when they're really not. Uh, and how can you truly be that advisor when you're trying to just go in there and do that job as quickly and efficiently as possible and ignoring the other opportunities that are sitting right in front of you? Yep. And, Gene, we actually keep on our pipeline meetings every month, we keep a list of our top 50 clients, and we call it our TLC list, uh, which stands for Tender, Love, and Care. <laughs> and the, the objective to keeping it on there every month is to say, are we doing things with these clients that it's not 
where we're calling up and asking them for something or saying, you forgot to do this, you have to send me this. What is it that we can do to really learn about their business? And we had somebody who a couple months ago drove up to New York City for a very short meeting, so pretty much spent five hours in the car to meet with a client and came back and said that was one of the, the best meetings they ever had with the person. You know, it, was, it was like an agendaless meeting. It wasn't about anything specific. It was just tell me what's going on. And within 45 minutes, they walked out of there thinking that was a great meeting with a client. So you know, whether, whether that would have happened without the TLC list, I don't know. But you've got to keep things in front of people or else it's not going to happen. Right. And the fact is that even with all this technology we have, there's nothing that replaces that face-to-face time. Right. Yep. Yep. So what are the so, – yeah, so we, ha, we definitely have the constraints of that billable hour. But tell me what you think are the biggest changes that you've noticed in accounting marketing over the past five years. Right. So, I mean, considering that 25 years ago you couldn't even put an ad out anywhere, like it seems like we're exponentially increasing in terms of the complexity of marketing accounting firms – and the biggest thing that I've seen over the past five years has been the digital marketing arena. Mm-hmm. And I, like I go back to at my last firm, like we, we probably generated well over a million dollars in just a couple years through our website. And it was all based on somebody finding our website, sending an inquiry, and then we would do our follow-up. And it was very fast, very exciting. It was just a compressed sales cycle. And now when, the chances are when somebody reaches out to our website, they're just downloading a white paper or looking at one of our blog articles. So it's really become a more systematic approach, and you need patience to really nurture the leads that you're getting from your website, whereas I really felt in the past it was, it was kind of like fishing. You're throwing your line in. If you get a bite, you bring it in. And now it's like, you know, it's like the, science, the science behind it and the process behind it. And it's right. really, uh, it's real, it's fascinating. And you know, we have a person in our firm who is dedicated just to digital marketing. Like that's that's how much of a priority we want to put on it. Right. And don't you think that the ease of getting information and the amount of information that is out there does make it more difficult for us because you know, in the old days. Let's face it, you know, the, the, the firm controlled the story, you know, that you made an appointment, right. you grabbed your firm brochure, you hopped in a car, and you met with the prospect and told them who you were and what yeah, yeah. they could do for the prospect. And now, usually when you meet with someone, they've already done their homework and they know a lot about you before you even are face-to-face with them. Right, yep. Yeah, and we were, looking, we were talking to a vendor yesterday about a, uh, a plug-in for, uh, for our CRM program, and I could tell that the, the person who was doing the sales call was – they were using their own product on us. So they, they were talking about our recent acquisition, and they were talking about some other things that happened in the firm, all stuff that they scraped out of – off the Internet mm-hmm. before they even talked to us. So right. you, you almost have to know – you can't just show up and say, tell me about your business. That's like the worst thing you can say mm-hmm. as the first, the first thing out of your mouth. Right. That's like when you're interviewing new staff and you ask them, have you checked out our website, and they say no. Right, right. <laughs> Don't you just right. want to end the interview right there? You know, you can't possibly right. be the right person if you haven't spent five minutes learning about us. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I would agree absolutely, Jack. The digital and all of this online, and just how um, just how much information is out there, and how that makes it more challenging for firms to share their story and promote their expertise and to differentiate themselves from competitors. Yeah, and we heard it. We heard it a hundred times at the AIM Summit this year. Better is better is fleeting. Different is the thing that's going to get you recognized and remembered. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a challenge, isn't it? Because you know, firms are offering you know very similar services. There's specific ways you need to do that. So it, right. it's in, in our world, and, and it, you know, it's just that much more difficult. And and. I think I think one of the missing pieces of that equation is it has to be genuine. You can't just say we're different and then list the, the three things that are that make every firm different. It right. really has to be something that stands out for you. Right, right. I, I absolutely agree. So with all this change with digital uh, and how our accounting marketing world has changed, what is your prediction for accounting marketing for the next five years? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple areas that are really going to help drive the marketing within the accounting industry. And we, we kind of talked about technology and the digital marketing stuff. I think that's one of the key ones. And I look at somebody like Lori Colvin at Armanino, and that, that she's even identified that they have a marketing technology stack. So it's not just we have all these programs. <clears throat> this is what this does. It's how do they work together and how do they feed each other. And that's one of our... Uh, that's one of the big things that we're, we're going to be looking at during the summer is really looking at our, our technology stack and, and making sure that the right pieces are fitting together. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, the, and the data that's collecting, you know, what do you do with that? How does that work together as well? Yeah. And, I mean, you can have all the data in the world, and if you can't access it, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of that with our CRM. We, we're, you know, we're trying to put the right information in and then also trying to get the right information out. Right, right. And also the number of firms that still don't have any sort of CRM. So Herbine is right. just ahead right there. Right. Well, that's always debatable. But, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we are, like, moving in the right, the right direction with that. <laughs> Excellent. A, another thing, I think, is the client experience. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start talking about different, that's where client experience really steps up. And I've heard uh, Mitch Reno from Raymond, Lisa Gill from LBMC, and at the summit this year, hearing Nicole, Nicole Gans from Honkam Kruger was like mind blowing what what she is doing with uh, with their firm and with apps and all kinds of technology tying it back to the client experience. So I think that that's something that for a firm like Herbine, where we've gone from about 16 million to doubling that over the past eight or nine years. It's hard to get your get your arms around process and make sure that everybody is is treating clients consistently and that it, that client experience is the same because you know our net promoter scores are off the charts good, but we're doing things a hundred different ways mm-hmm. and at some point as your firm grows, that becomes un- unsustainable right right and then, and then the other the other thing that I think is like has been out forever is is the pricing issue. And you were probably in Toronto. You probably heard Ron Baker 20 years ago talk about value pricing for the first time. And we're the idea that 
you, it's, it's not up to you to just be efficient. You have to be effective. And by charging for value and trying to capture the value, that's really like what, what clients want. And they want, you know, they also want choices. And Michelle Golden is working with, you know, Kate Kalizum and Beach Fleischman and really capturing the value and adding choices and saying, you can, you can have this at this level, this level, or this level. And, I mean, wouldn't everybody want to have a choice of what service level and what they pay based on that service level? Do you think that more firms don't price based on value because they don't see the value, or is billing by the hour just easier? Uh, well, I think I think it's I think billing by the hour is kind of that that crutch that it it kind of justifies your price as opposed to really taking taking it to the next step and capturing the value. And in a lot of situations, if you don't really get a chance to meet with a prospect and really learn about what they're looking for beyond the numbers, you're pretty much stuck into that almost you know what people consider the commodity of the audit. So you, you know I think it's I think it's a catch twenty two like. For the, for in a lot of ways, we're resistant. If if we know that our competitor is going to charge twenty thousand dollars, then where are we going? Where are we going to be? Are we going to be thirty? Or are we going to be eighteen? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, a lot of thought has to go into that that decision. But again, if you can't talk to somebody ahead of time, you are just a price to them. So like, right. if you can't if you can't sit down and really learn what they're what they're trying to do. You're you're really just a price, right? And I, I think just one more thought on that. The uh, sure, we just heard you know with where artificial intelligence is going with the audit, we just heard within the last couple of weeks that a, an audit can take 45 seconds in the future using artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if, even if you have your your lead partner and they're charging a thousand dollars, that audit is still nine dollars and ninety nine cents. And nobody is going to be successful doing that. So, like as an as an industry, that's something we really have to look at. You know, what is the value of the audit? How do we charge for the audit? Because I mean, the hourly rate does not work in that situation. Exactly. And you know, fortunately, like between Mark Cozeal and others at the AICPA, I think they're really shepherding the industry for the transformation to uh, blockchain and what the effect on the audit is going to be. But it's going to be, like, within five years, it'll be incredibly different from the service side, let alone the marketing side of it. Right, right. Because it's already, you know, we already have the battle, you know, that prospects and clients need an audit, so they don't get real excited about that. Right, right. And add add to that fact what you were just saying, you know, with with, um, artificial intelligence and blockchain and, you know, if you could do an audit in 45 seconds. You know what what happened to those hours and hours and hours that you used to spend on that same service? Yep, yep. And charging by the it's, hour, it's pretty incredible. It, I tell everybody who's coming in to our firm, uh, like like as a new hire, that they're coming in at, at like a fantastic time because they're going to see so much change mm-hmm. over the next five to ten years, and the the impact on them is, or the the repercussion on them is, they're going to have to just like a, a firm's got to be different and not just better, they're going to have to be different, and their their skill set's going to have to evolve to be more more relational relationship based and less going out and counting refrigerators in a warehouse or right. 
you know, counting boxes or something at, you know, in a, in a, in a retail store. So it's going to be, it's, it's affecting the people, the clients, the industry, the firms, obviously. Right. Oh, it's a game changer for sure. Uh, so, Jack, tell me, um, you know, you've, you've met, obviously, lots of accounting marketers, and you've got this vast network. What factors or skills have you seen that enable accounting marketers to be successful? Yeah, that, that, that really is a great question because I, I think I come at it from the, the standpoint of I, I do have a lot of experience, and people that have talked to me, they, they, might, they might say I'm overconfident, but I do have a lot of confidence in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that comes with years of experience. And I think that no matter where you are in your career journey, you really need to, to have a curiosity and you have to be looking for things. So I, I, I do get frustrated when I hear people saying, oh, I, I went to this session and it was everything I already knew. Because they're, like, you have to be able to get something new out of, out of every situation that you're in. So I, I think that I think curiosity is like a big thing that I would I would encourage people that if you're curious you're going to be successful, and if you're not curious you either have to figure out a way to reposition your mindset and think I still have a lot to learn. Um, you know a way that I kind of think about it in my own head is I've never done anything just because somebody else has done it, but I've done a lot of things that I've learned from others, and I think that's a key distinction. Instead of just being a copycat trying to analyze something and saying, that's a good idea, and I'm not doing it just because 10 other firms are doing it. I'm doing it because it's the right idea for my firm. Excellent. Right, because, you know, we also know lots of firms that do just that. You know, ABC firm, you know, did uh, this, you know, seminar. Man, we should get out there and do that same thing. Yeah. Not thinking about whether it's right for them or, <laughs> or what it takes to do that, but it's just so-and-so did it, so we should. And that's, that's yeah. the reasoning. Yeah. And, and I think another thing, and in, in, in my family we always joke about it. My wife and kids, I always tell them how logical I am. <laughs> and I can, take, I can take a lot of situations and apply a logical approach to them, which they don't appreciate. But <laughs> in, my, in my career, it helps me think through situations and Try to and try to like look at different angles and really try to look at things from maybe a less emotional standpoint and more logical because the emotion is always going to be there. But if you can kind of boil something down to the logic of it, you're going to get you're going to get a good outcome. Right. So do you think that also helps you sell your ideas internally? I think if you can build a logical case for something, it's going to give you a great deal of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know that you have something that is you know, bulletproof, it really, like, you're going to feel really good about it, and you're going to have a lot of enthusiasm and energy when you present something, as opposed to something you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure this makes sense, but let's try it. Like, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not going to, like, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of confidence instilled in you when you do that. Right. right. And, then, and then I think just uh, in, in terms of, like, building a career in accounting marketing, I do think you have to stand up for yourself and for things that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think I've done that um, maybe successfully, maybe not always successfully. Like there's been some, you know, kind of dicey moments where, you know, maybe <laughs> you overstep a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have, yeah, like, I, I can relate. I can, well, <laughs> and, and Gene, you and I have had several of those situations. 
between ourselves. But like, you know, I think I think if you can see both sides of the equation, and then you make a decision, then you move on. And mm-hmm. you know, you can't you can't harbor a grudge, and you can't look back and say, oh, five years ago, if we had done this, this would have changed differently. All you can do is go forward with stuff. Right. Right. Absolutely. And then. And then the other thing that I found like really valuable for my career is, and anybody who's listening or reading this might debate it, but my my sense of humor has gotten me into trouble at some points. But I can find I can find something funny in a lot of situations, so I never really get so down about something where it just demoralizes me. You know, there's there's always like a little tweak that you're like, wow, you know, this happened, but. On the flip side, you know, nobody blew up. Or you know, there's always there's always a bright side to something. And right, a sense of humor absolutely. Can always take you there. Yeah, I think a sense of humor is one of the most important qualities a person can have. It just even when I was dating my husband, I said, you know, <laughs> sense of humor is really important. You know what I mean? You know, life can be tough sometimes, right? You you know, you're dealt with different situations. It's really important that we know how to laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you have to have a good you have to have a good outlook. My dad always said, mm-hmm. every uh, every day is a good one. So uh, you know, right. if, if you t- if you take that approach, you know, you can't you can't go too wrong. You can't you can't stray too far off of the path. Mhm, mhm, absolutely. So Jack, how do you think marketers can gain more power or influence within their firms? Yeah, so this this is another like I find this to be a pretty complicated question. And Gene, I go back to like when we when we were talking 20 years ago about firms that get it and firms that don't get it. Mm-hmm. And if if you have a firm that is just not going to buy in on the whole marketing and growth concept, it's going to be hard to really to really accelerate your career within that firm. Mm-hmm. But but I, I really I remember when I was. Um, at the AIM Summit a couple of years ago, uh, Lauren was interviewing me in front of the entire the entire conference, and I was looking out there and I was thinking, wow, like I see so many people that they're probably so great at doing what they can do, but the firm is not going to get it. Like the firm is not going to understand mm-hmm. why we need to do this or why we need to do social media or get a website or stop putting 20 partner names on letterhead. Like, like they're going to be focused on the minutiae of stuff. And I also thought to myself, there's probably firms that are really great out there that they haven't found the right fit of marketers. So I think it's all about fit. And you need, you need strong, strong leadership and great vision at a firm. And then you need, you need somebody to come in with that curiosity and the desire to be a great marketer. And unless you have that match, you're just going to have a bad – it's going to be a bad experience for everybody. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen hundreds of those literally, with, you know, over the last – you know, since you've been a name, you've seen, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's just not the right match. And you know, I just think that if if you're not uh, if you're not really creating that kind of relationship with your firm where you're engaged and you're happy and and they like what you're doing, then I would say that it's probably not the right fit, and you're probably better off to be looking to move on sooner than later. So. You know, it's, right. it's got it's got to be two ways. Just like, I mean, they're always evaluating the marketer. We have to be evaluating the firms to make sure they're the right place for us also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times over the years marketers have talked to me and the conclusion is that they really needed to leave their firm. 
that yep. they were talented and introducing ideas uh, that just were not being accepted. You know, they, it just was not the culture that was going to help make this marketer successful, which in turn makes the firm successful. And it just, right. you know, I hate, I hate to say that, but, you know, and let's face it, at summits when you say, hey, is it your first name summit? Raise your hand. And, you know, all those hands right, right, right. You know, go up in the air, right? So we've come yeah, a long you know, way because, you know, in that compensation survey, the mar- the average marketing director, a person with that title, has been with their firm just over six years. And I thought that was positive. Yeah, that 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 is really good. And that, that shows that, like, as as you put it, the firms are getting it and they understand that it's no different than losing a key tax person as losing your marketing person. Right, right. And, and I do, like, you know, I, I do look back to uh, the AIM conferences, and Gene, we've been to a lot of AIM conferences together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I do remember some early ones just being like everybody commiserates and they're like, oh, my firm's doing this. It's It's horrible. My firm is doing this or... My right. managing partner won't let me do this. And I really feel like the last probably five to ten years, it's been transforming. And I don't, I don't view it as like, a, you know, like everybody's complaining at the same time about the same things. I think everybody's like so, so excited about the opportunities at their firm. And I think it's been an amazing transformation within the Association for Accounting Marketing. And I think it's, I think it's a credit to people like Eugene who have helped so many people personally with their careers and, you know, aside from the, the ABCs of marketing, but just the how do you manage your career and when do you call, when do you call it a day? Right. Do you know, that's a wonderful observation. Um, not about me, but <laughs> uh, about the conferences, um, you know, the summits being um, less of a wine fest, you know, wine, yeah, I mean. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and more of... You know, because marketers have always shared what they've done, and we have found, you know, AIM members being very forthcoming and willing to help other people and share resources and provide feedback. And that's great that you say that. Um, And I would agree that there's more collaborating and sharing information as opposed to complaining about, you know, how their partners are acting or what they're not doing um, and other negative talk. Right. That, yeah, that is awesome. Um, so let's talk about the best piece of advice you have for accounting marketers. Okay. Well, so just like every answer, I'm going to give you two answers in that. <laughs> okay. So the first is to, to keep it fun and to keep it interesting, I think we're in a position where we can, we can try to push the envelope a little bit and kind of remember that we're dealing with people who are generally conservative and maybe some things could be out of their comfort zone. But one of the things that I love to do is I love to have people tell me no. So I love to, I, I love to, to come up with an idea and, tr- and pitch it and have people like initial reaction be like, oh, my God, how could you even bring that up? And then that's where you start kind of the logic and the, you know, like maybe making a couple of jokes about it. And I found that you can kind of chip away at that. So you know, like when at my at my last firm, one of the one of the funnier things was, and this just seems so arbitrary to me that the firm said you could go to the AIM Summit every other year. I'm like, well, first of all, like you guys do CPE every single year, and you know it's not like you could take two years off and then start it up again. Although, I, from what I hear, some people might try to do that. <laughs> but 
like even though I was told that every year when it came time for the summit, I would ask to go to the summit because, and then I would be told no, and I would say, well, that's ridiculous. Like that's like me missing two years of right. marketing education. Like why would you want to take me out of the game for two years? Right. And eventually, I don't know if it was a case of wearing them down or, <laughs> or just like the logic kind of taking over. But finally, Steve Carr at, at Asher finally was like would let me go every year, and I think. I think that kind of plays into the the bigger picture of what I would say to, to, to accounting marketers today is like I look back at, at the last 20 years with, with AIM and I've had so many people that I look up to and Gene, you're like, I, I always have to put you top of the list. So oh, full Jack. disclosure, there you are. Well, but like I appreciate the, that. The Reed, and, and it's, and it's true. And, and hopefully neither one of us will start crying on this call, but <laughs> Like you, you, you've meant the world to my career, and and I will never uh, be able to thank you enough for that. But, but there are so many people that I look up to, like the Mitch Reno's and the Katie Tolans and the Michelle Goldens and Tracy Kravar Warren and Art Kiesel and Lori Colvin and Eric Myshack, and I'm missing like I'm I know I'm missing a hundred names, mm-hmm. but they've all kind of whether like intentionally or unintentionally served as mentors to me. And it's just so great to have people you can look up to. But then when you go back to your firm, I think it's really key to have a sponsor. And a sponsor is different from a a mentor because a sponsor can actually affect change within your organization related to you. And we're really lucky here at Herbine. My boss is Jim Nikolak, and he's a partner, and he's also responsible for the marketing, the, the role of marketing within the firm. And he's become engaged with the name. He, he's gone to the conference the last couple of years. He's always telling people good things about about the marketing department. And he's he like he'll come back from another conference and he'll say, just so you know, this is what I heard, and our guys are already doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he instills nice. confidence in the rest right. of the firm about us. So we don't have people coming in and questioning everything that we do. So when you have somebody who's willing to take a stand for you. It's going to like play such a big, a big role in your everyday satisfaction. Right. And you know, I think that if you cannot find somebody who's really going to step up for you like that, you're you're it's going to be you're going to be uh, swimming uphill in your firm. Right. Right. It makes the job just that much more difficult. Yep. Yeah. So let's turn the page and give us your best piece of advice for managing partners. Yeah, so this this is a really interesting uh, question, also. I, you know, because I think it, I, every usually about every five years I get like thoughts just hit me, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I remember five years into the career, I was thinking, wow, every firm has similar issues, which obviously everybody knew that. And then a couple years later, I had another revelation that I won't say on on, uh, on the record, but <laughs> one of my one of my most recent ones was that the word marketing could be ha, could have such a negative connotation for so many people. So if you say marketing, um, you know, you might have a third of the people are like, yeah, I get it. I want to do it. And a third of the people are like, I never want to talk to you. All I want to do is I want to sit in my office and do work. And then you have that middle third of people who are, they can go either way. And that that's like kind of who we're working with. But, We've we've kind of transformed to, to instead of talking about marketing a lot, we've been talking about growth. 
Mm. And growth is like such a better word, and it's so much more positive. And, uh, you know, we, we position the Herbine Growth Imperative as being something where if we can help our clients grow, the firm is going to grow, and there's going to be multiple opportunities for our people to grow. And the firms that you see, you know, being acquired or getting merged into a bigger firm, they didn't have that growth to sustain the firm. So we think it's really important as a message about how it affects everybody in the office. It's not just, it's not just about the partners. It's not just about managers who are going to become partners someday. It's really about all of us. And at, at, the, uh, at the summit this year, Ed Kless from SAGE was talking about the importance of linguistics. And I, I think you cannot underestimate the value of using a word like growth over marketing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I took a picture of that slide. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really ties up into the – as you start getting like bigger picture within the firm, I would tell managing partners that you've got to be including marketing, you've got to be including HR, you've got to be including your operations people within every partner in executive committee meeting from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times those people will get called into a meeting and they'll give a report and they'll be talking about, oh, this new program and it's so exciting and this is what it's going to do. And meanwhile, you don't know what just happened before you got in there and you don't know why like – Five people are angry at five other people, and you don't have any sense of dynamics mm-hmm. of what is going on. And you're, you're really operating within a vacuum. Right. And, I mean, really, a lot of times when, when we're talking about marketing things, we go down a path, and at some point we say, well, we have to get IT involved with that, or that affects HR. We're so, there's not a lot of things within the firm that we don't touch or we don't at least influence. So I don't know how you can – really, you know, keep people out of, out of a seat at the table, which is the, you know, the proverbial saying, mm-hmm. um, just because they don't have a CPA behind their name or just because they don't have a certain designation. And I think that the, the things that, that these other firm professionals can bring to the table is a different perception. And, I mean, I, I think that that's so valuable. Like, I would love to hear my HR person you know, countering when we talk about growth goals to say, well, where are we going to get the people to do that? Or, you know, we just lost two people in this department. How can we do this new work? Right, and right. It, and it has to be holistic. to work together. Yeah, yeah, it, it has to be holistic. You can't – operating in a vacuum is just going to create more tension within, within the firm. So I think, that, I think that firms that aren't doing that are really missing the boat on a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of firms like – Gene, as you said, they, they get it and they have those people right. and they are not doing a meeting without, you know, without the Sally Glick sitting in that meeting or the, the Eric Myshack sitting in that meeting or the Mark Busneys mm-hmm. sitting in that meeting because it's all, it's all integral to the success of the firm. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Jack, I'm going to go a little bit off script and I know you're a big hockey fan. <laughs> as, of, as of today... The Washington Capitals lead the Vegas Golden Knights 3-1 to one in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've got two questions. Can Vegas come back? Well, I, I, I am – so as a, as a big Flyer fan, um, you know, I thought putting a team in Vegas was a joke, but I am now a Golden Knight. I am happy to, to root for the Golden Knights, and I, I, I am a believer in the Golden Knights. So, yes, they can definitely come back. Okay, so this is a perfect lead-in for my second question. So 
What can accounting marketers take away from the Golden Knights? Because here's their first year in the league, and they're playing for the Stanley Cup. Right. So I shared something with, with some of our team members here recently where the, the coach of the Golden Knights is a guy named Gerard Gallant. And Gerard Gallant was talking about how in, the, in their games, guys know that if they're out on the ice and, they're not, and they make a mistake, that they're not getting benched the next time that, that it's their time to go on the ice. He wants people to go out there and try their best. And, and sometimes that means making mistakes. And I would rather make a mistake come back to the bench and hear you made a mistake and get a chance to fix it than to be forever put on the bench. And I think that that's, I think that's a great lesson for CPA firms that, you know, you, ROI doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of times it's a long-term thing, but we've got to be trying stuff within, within our markets. And we just, know, we have to, we have to know that not everything's going to be a winner and not, a, you're not going to win the Stanley cup in your first year every time. Mm-hmm. But, what, how boring would it be to not try stuff and right. to just go through the motions uh, or to be punished every single time something doesn't go right? So right. that right. Or to have that, that's why, that's why I'm a golden knight for right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm not a big hockey fan, but um, I, I, it's pretty awesome because I think the Golden Knights surprised everybody. And no, I mean, nobody thought how in the world in their first year in existence are they playing for the Stanley Cup? So they need to be doing right. a lot of things right. Yeah, and they and and they they started off great, and everybody said it's it's not going to last. They they finished the year great, and everybody said, well, they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. And then obviously, you know, every round of the playoffs, they they were dominant. And so, you know, if you if you have if you have faith and and you want, and you believe in yourself, and I mean, what Gallant is saying is you're playing for your teammates, and but they're not going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that we're going to forget about them. We're going to we're going to stay together and stay strong as a team. Mm-hmm. That's a great message. Um, we've been talking today with Jack Coleman'sberger, Chief Marketing Officer at Herbine and Company, and a 2018 inductee into the Association for Accounting Marketing Hall of Fame. Jack, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Gene. You're the best. 